are listening to True Crime Fiction, feeding your addiction to the best of the written and the spoken word in crime. If you would like to support the podcast, you can do so for as little as £1 at patreon.com slash truecrimefiction. Apologies should be simple, easy even. However, for some reason, people find them incredibly hard. I have known people who never apologise or who, if you point out hurtful behaviour, their main reaction is to tell you how you were at fault for what happened. People who appear to apologise on the face of it and either quickly do an about turn or do the thing they just apologised for soon after. In saying all of this, it may seem like I am setting myself up as a person who gets it right, but far from it. I, like everyone else, have chafed against the idea of apologising when I righteously felt that I had done nothing wrong. I have also, at times, chosen being right to be more important than anything else. As humans, we are flawed and all make mistakes. Apologising when we make them means we can absorb and learn from them, which allows us in turn to grow as people. Those who refuse to apologise or who cannot apologise without blaming others are dooming themselves to remaining stagnant. So why is something that is so healthy so good for us also so hard to do. In most cases, it will be ego, the fear that the shame we feel in admitting our wrongs will be overwhelming. There can also be a fear, a fear that the other person won't accept your apology, a fear that we may look stupid or foolish, and also a fear of consequences. If it wasn't for the fear of consequences, what would people apologise for? Are there things we said as a child that we regret? Times when we were not as understanding of our partners as we could be. Not understanding what a friend was going through. A job which we did half-heartedly. Snapping at our children out of tiredness and exhaustion. For not being honest enough? or for being too honest. These are the things that many of us find ourselves apologising for throughout our lives. They are, of course, important, but also, at the same time, a very ordinary part of what we do to continue our connections with those who are important to us. What if you had something bigger to apologise for? something darker, an apology that you cannot make to anyone, maybe because the consequences are too big, too life-changing. This curiosity is what inspired the conceptual artist Alan Bridge to set up the apology line in 1980s Manhattan, leading to him being known as Mr. Apology. In these pre-internet days, he handed out flyers with a number on 
to encourage anyone and everyone to call and leave a message with their apology, warning callers not to leave identifying information as they may be made public, but that he did not work with the police and the calls roll in. Many different people called. Some were people who were apologising to no one in particular for being too rich. Others were apologising to specific people they had stolen from. There was as many different types of calls as there are different types of people. The project did not stop there, though. Those calling in could also listen to other callers' apologies. Bridge would play the messages in art galleries. You could go into a booth and listen. Sometimes they might get played on the radio or transcribed into Apology magazine, which Bridge himself edited. Some of the callers became repeat callers and others would regularly ring in to hear what other people were saying. We don't know who went to the art galleries or read the magazine, but we do hear interviews with people who worked on the magazine and rang the number to listen. It appears that the line operated for people somewhere close to an Agony Ant column or the incredibly popular Am I the Asshole forum on Reddit. Some people may read it for the advice, but if we are honest with ourselves, A lot of us read it to hear what goes on in other people's lives so we can think about how we would respond and judge the people involved, probably with a harshness we would not judge them with if they were sitting opposite us. It is clear, though, that the lack of advice on the apology line removes something. There will be no judgment, no advice. So does this mean people can be more honest? because they don't have to fear how they will look to others. What happens next is something that anyone who has lived through the beginning decades of the internet age could see was going to happen from miles off. We've seen that with any kind of new communication, while it can improve things for people, Better access to knowledge, better ability to connect with others and share ideas. It can also enable the worst side of human behaviour. The telephone, while bringing us closer, also brought the prank call, the heavy breathers. The printing press gave us the Bible translated into the language of the common people, which, while ostensibly a good thing, at the time was so threatening that people were burnt at the stake for it. The trolling, the abuse, the death threats, we are all wearily acknowledging of on the internet. They all happened on the apology line too. People called to apologise for murders. They called to claim they were the Zodiac killer. And because it is the 80s, one caller who became known as Richie called to tell people that he kidnapped, tortured and killed many others. And oh, by the way, he wants to kill Bridge. Alan starts to become obsessed with Richie. It is a combination of being fascinated by an inner life that is so different from the norm, 
with ideas of justice and it appears a smudge of wondering if he himself could go that far. Over time, it certainly appears that the relationship that develops with Richie as he draws him out is one that has Alan questioning himself and humanity, which at the end of the day is part of the purpose of art. Bridge, though, has to remove the recording which says that he was no longer working with the police because Richie has worried him so much. He now is and tries to uncover who he is and track him down. For many people, no matter how dedicated you were to use your art to hold a mirror to the world, this would be the place to stop. His second wife, Marissa, who narrates the podcast, was truly scared about what was happening. Bridge, however, truly committed to this project, did not want to give up. In essence, he became addicted to the apologies, to the surprises and the emotional payoff. Again, for those living in the internet age, this is not unusual either. We see people become addicted to social media, to making connections with others, the little dopamine hit we get whenever someone likes a post. There are others who become pulled into a cause and a group of people they would never seek out in real life. During the lockdowns of the pandemic, many found relief in no longer having to commute daily and being able to hold meetings that did not require hours of travel. However, we also noticed that we lost something, that even though calls could easily be had face to face, there was something missing compared to in the same room communication. The apology line was the defining artwork of Bridges' life and I suspect will be the thing he is most remembered for. As an artist, he was holding a mirror up so we can see ourselves more clearly. But at the same time, he also became a kind of prophet, someone in the wilderness who showed us the way it was soon going to be for everyone. You have been listening to True Crime Fiction, the podcast that is feeding your addiction to all things crime. You can find our website at true-crime-fiction.com, on Twitter at true underscore crime underscore fic, on Facebook and Instagram as True Crime Fiction. Please rate and review on the podcast app of your choice. Music is by Kitty Kitty Meow Meow.